welcome Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Richard Geiger, and today we've got a handful of subjects to discuss. Some things that have popped up recently in terms of media in general that uh, I thought would be a good discussion point. Uh, We're going to discuss a little bit about a discovery I made on my music streaming service uh, that pertains to White Zombie, and I'll go into more with that. Um, I'd like to have a brief discussion about The Walking Dead. Uh, Great show. Um, Long-lasting show. Uh, Announcement, I think the final season is coming up for The Walking Dead, so I want to discuss that. And also, one of the biggest uh, bits of news that has come across is Microsoft's purchase of uh, ZeniMax Media. And what exactly is that and what exactly does that mean? So we've got some topics about gaming, about music, about uh, TV, uh, TV that's based on a graphic novel, comic. And those are the things we normally discuss. So I thought we had a pretty good range of topics to go over. So I wanted to start with the discovery that I made about White Zombie. And let me let me go into this a little bit here. So one of one of my favorite bands is Soundgarden. And Soundgarden has albums that are out and that most people associate with Soundgarden. Uh revolving around the 90s time frame, right? Like they're a grunge band, they were they were popular. They they're one of the main grunge bands to come together, be popular, be across MTV, be across TV, all, all everything um, in the early to mid '90s. Now, one of the discoveries that I had earlier, and we we were having a discussion about you know one of our or what what are we what are we listening to now. And I had mentioned Soundgarden uh, because obviously they're one of my favorites. But they they had an, an album that I had discovered that I it, it it's the greatest thing in the world when your favorite artists you discover media or music. It's almost like they created a new a new album. They had a an album that came out called Ultra Mega OK, and it was released in 1988. And there's been a like a remastered version of that album that has been released with songs that are, I think, great. You can tell they're not polished. You can tell that they're at their infancy of being a really, really excellent band. But it's a great discovery of, oh my gosh, I, I it's a, like I said, it's a whole new album that I never even knew about. So one thing that I came across from White Zombie is they had a a bunch of indie records that they had put together and were also released in the 80s. Now, in terms of popularity, White Zombie is a great band, but most people associate White Zombie with probably a couple things. Uh, a couple albums that they released that were the most popular that most people know them from, right? Um, Astro Creep 2000 was one of the first albums that 
I owned and played over and over again. Um, La Sexorcisto Devil Music Volume 1 was the other one. Now, they were on Beavis and Butthead. They were popularized by some of their videos, um, sold lots of albums. Uh, A lot of people know Rob Zombie. He's the one who was the a lot of the 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 guts behind white zombie and of course he went on to release a lot of solo albums movies all this type of stuff well they had some albums from the 80s and i was like oh my gosh all new white zombie this is crazy and they had an album from 86 they had one from 87 and they had one from 89 and to say to say to be polite they're not very good uh the 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 first couple that are out the 86 uh it's a young band they're just throwing stuff together 80 the late 80s is the age of hair bands right and there's van halen and it's it's an odd time for rock and roll music grunge hasn't come out yet but grunge is right around the corner a lot of those bands are developing their style in the late 80s so it's a it's it's an oddball era to listen to some of your favorite rock or grunge acts because of the of the songs they're producing and white zombies albums from 86 uh psycho head blowout 87 was soul crusher really hard to listen to really hard but you can see the progression you can see uh in in 89 make them die slowly you can see the progression of the sound that they were developing you can tell the the style of the singing you can see the guitars i mean the the bass is real heavy in these albums too which i i appreciate i enjoy that but you can tell their sound evolving when you listen to these. If you can get through the albums, that is, because they're hard to listen to. I can't understand any of the lyrics at all either. It's pretty crazy. But uh, it was an interesting. It was an interesting find because White Zombie is from that from the '90s era with those two albums I mentioned. One of my favorites. Those albums are fantastic, and. That was it, right? They did like a remix, um, a remix album, and they had some one-offs here and there. But that that was that was pretty much it for White Zombie. And to rediscover that they had other albums, you know, that was exciting to me. <laughs> Disappointing to listen to. Um, so if you are a White Zombie fan at all, and you have a music streaming service. They're on, they're on, uh, Apple music. Apple music is the music streaming service that I have, that I listen to my music, which ultimately brings me to a, a suggestion, a recommendation to everybody who listens to music, has favorite bands, uh, listens to our podcast. And that is to get a music subscription service of some sort. And I, I'm not, advocating for one music service or another you know whatever amazon music or if you have spotify premium uh, pandora premium uh, apple music whatever Uh, i don't know what's on the other streaming services i just know what's available to me on apple music but what i'm advocating for is to get a streaming service for some of these finds like i have just mentioned 
there's there's no way any of this music would have been something that would have been accessible to me in a regular basis, meaning just being able to listen to it, other than having a music streaming service. And one of the best things about having a music streaming service is not only discovering these unknown albums from your favorite artists, but it's being able to try new artists. It's being able to listen to albums from, gosh, the 50s and 60s uh, that you never gave a chance to because you didn't buy them before and you know none of your friends have them and they weren't going to get played on the radio. Um, you know, the, the Rolling Stones is a great example of that. They have so many albums with so many good songs on them. And I started to collect them, all the early ones, and I, I stopped. But now I can go onto my streaming service and I can listen to all the albums. It's, it's, it's a really, really nice luxury to have. Um, the other thing, too, as all these new music acts release music, as new albums come out, some of your old favorites favorites are releasing new albums. You know, it's not like you can go down to your record store, go to Best Buy, go to Circuit City, <laughs> uh, and buy the album. Like, that's just not a thing that people traditionally do. That's not a thing that artists or companies do. They don't release a lot of physical copies of albums. They exist. It's just not, you know, if you think about it, your favorite artist puts out one, and they're going to charge you 10 bucks, 15 bucks to purchase to own that album. And you get a lot more flexibility by owning the, the CD, I, I think. But if that happens once a month, you're already paying that same amount for a music subscription service. And you have access to all the music that you could ever hope to listen to. But, you know, aside from your favorites or someone that told you that it was a good artist... You can take a chance on an artist and you can listen to the music and you can figure out for yourself whether that music is any good or not. You know, my opinion is most of the new music that comes out isn't very good at all, but at least it gives me that opportunity to listen to that artist, to give them a shot, to give them, give them some airtime on my headphones, in my car or wherever that I would never have gotten before if I didn't have access to a music subscription service so my suggestion to you my try my, my my means to advocate for you is find a service that fits your budget find a service that fits your means that fits your style that fits your operating system for your phone and definitely take the effort and Pay the money and listen to music if music is something that you not only enjoy, but like to dig deeper into. So that's kind of my rant on on the music stuff. I was just thinking about that when I came across the new White Zombie stuff. All right. Um, the, the next subject to talk about is The Walking Dead. Now, I'll, I'll give a little backstory on The Walking Dead. I know it's it's a very popularized I'm, I'm a graphic set of novels or graphic comic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the expert here. Um, but obviously made into a popular TV series. It was on AMC. Um, the walking dead really captivated me and that first season. Now that first season of the walking dead was, 
I don't know if it was something that they just did a trial run on. You know, it was only a few episodes, right? So it's not like it, it it's not like it was a big, gigantic first season. It was like six episodes. But it set the stage for a lot of the action. It set the stage for a lot of the scenery. It set a, the stage for a lot of drama, horror, if you will. The characters, the depth of the characters your engagement in those characters. And as it progressed through the seasons, obviously the seasons were much more in depth. You know, the second season was 13 episodes. Uh, The third season, now you're up to 16 episodes. So like the show kept growing and growing and it grew in massive popularity. It was one of, if not the most popular cable television shows of all time. It was ridiculous, right? Just, just the actual characters and your your investment in the characters and your loss in the characters and the tragedy of the character groups as a whole was easy appointment watching television it came out on sundays it was something that you knew leading up to that sunday you know you could you could dvr things but most people wanted to watch it on that sunday when it came out so you knew exactly what was happening Plus, you didn't want to find out from someone else you worked with what had happened. It was kind of the same thing with, uh, you know, when Game of Thrones was was going on, like when it was just massively popular. It was appointment television. You could DVR it. You could watch it later. But everybody wanted to watch that on Sunday night when that show came out. So The, the Walking Dead was no different. I, I, I saw that the, the reason I'm talking about it is I saw a commercial that said, that it was the final season of The Walking Dead. And I was like, oh my gosh, uh, one, uh, that show is still going, still going strong. And, and two, not not the sense of, oh my gosh, it's about time, but oh my gosh, I'm surprised that that thing lasted as long as it did because it's a very specialized, uh, it's a very specialized show, right? It's not like it's an audience for everyone, young, old, um, horror and I don't like it, it it's a very specialized set of viewership but that viewership was really strong and passionate behind this show and to have a to have a tv series go as long as this tv series has is a testament to the story the writers the actors and, and how it was how it was developed how it was put on screen now for me my investment kind of waned a bit after a while. So uh, once again, the show was really good. There was a lot of things that, that happened. Um, I, I think like a lot of folks, the, the presence of Negan and that character and that story arc was almost like the beginning of the end of the interest for a lot of folks, me included. And the first, the first, you know, what, five seasons of The Walking Dead were just great. And it kind of, it kind of went backwards. It kind of slowed down after that. And that investment level, I, I feel like, I feel like it dipped a bit, right? And then you got through six, seven and, and eight and things kind of changed and viewership dipped but it still went strong. They're still making episodes of it. Now, for me personally, 
one thing happened. I had a traditional cable service to watch TV shows that had a very large DVR on it, so I could DVR the shows anytime I I wanted to. So even if I did miss a Sunday, which I really didn't do, it was depending on who um, was playing the football game too. Uh, I would watch that and I could always go back if I missed it or, you know, sometimes they would play it later too. But for the most part, I always had a recording of it if I didn't watch it on Sunday. But so like a lot of people did, I got rid of the traditional service and I went to a simply streaming service. The last season that I was invested in, I had stocked up on the DVR episodes and I was probably, I was probably at that point, once again, you know, the interest had kind of waned. It wasn't that quite Sunday appointment level television. And the, the DVR had probably five, six episodes on it. And when you go to the streaming platforms, you can download an app and you can have access to a, a vast majority of the shows. You use your login for your streaming service to gain access to the, the full range of the shows for that app. That's traditionally how that works. And AMC was no different. So when I go to log into the AMC app and catch up on the episodes, the I could, I could log into the AMC app and get every bit of anything I wanted to watch on AMC except for The Walking Dead. So you had to have the premiere amc premiere which was like eight bucks a month in order to watch any of the episodes of the walking dead and that was i was like well i guess i'm done with this show then so that's where it really just ended for me because i wasn't gonna just start watching it again without having watched that whole half of the season to figure out exactly what happened to all of the characters it was right in the time where uh where rick was in his final episodes. Like those were important episodes. And I, I missed out on all that, that, that segment. So I, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I guess my investment in all those seasons was gone. So it, it really changed the landscape of one of my favorite shows because I could no longer access and watch how I wanted to watch it. Now I know a lot of those shows are actually available on Netflix right now. So if you haven't watched the walking dead or needed to catch up, most of the recent seasons are now on Netflix for people to watch. Or if you've never watched the show at all, man, it's a good investment, but there's 170 episodes at, you know, 45 minutes a piece. So it's it's a lot of investment if you haven't watched it before. Um, I know the the at home time from the pandemic is is done for a lot of folks. Not for not for everyone though. Uh, if you haven't given The Walking Dead a shot, uh, stick uh, watch the first season. It's only six episodes. If you're not interested after that, hey man, you didn't invest a lot of time. But this show, this show is really interesting. I think I'd like to get back into catch, catching up where I was at to see what's happened. Uh, it looks like there's some massive battles of people against, you know, it's it's a faction thing. So as much as people want to say that The Walking Dead is a zombie apocalypse horror thing, and it is, it's a faction battle where it's one group against another group. And it's always been like that in all the episodes. So 
I, I don't think it's anything different this time around either. But I guess I'm curious as to our, our viewership now, because it's it's going on what episode or season eleven is if I'm not mistaken. Season season ten is, I'm sorry is kind of the the final act. And it's been a really long time. So season one, when was season one released? Um uh, 2010 and we're in 2020 now so 10 years this thing has been going on you know talk talk about uh shows that have lasted 10 years or 10 seasons there aren't very many of them you know Seinfeld was one of my favorites it's nine seasons um you know the Simpsons is its own beast right because it's been going on for 30 seasons something crazy like that but a lot of your current TV shows, like they'll last eight seasons at best, maybe five seasons and they'll go away. So 10 seasons, man, that is a strong TV presence on cable, a cable, especially that's just a long history to just kind of invest in or for me to ignore. Uh, and it's, it spawned some offshoots too. fear the walking dead. I was invested in for a little while as well. Watched the first, I want to say three seasons of that. And that was pretty good. It has its own storylines. It ended up intersecting with, you know, the main Walking Dead storyline. So that 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 was an interesting one too. If you want to get into another side of things, where the Walking Dead was in Georgia, uh, Fear the Walking Dead is California, Mexico. So it's you know different side of the country, different aspect, different landscape. If you haven't taken the time to watch some of the Walking Dead, I'd say give it a shot because if something lasts. 10 seasons, uh, they got to be doing something right. Um, okay, so enough about The Walking Dead. Now, I want to mention real quick, too, one thing that we always try to intersect in the middle of our episodes, we talk about our social media, right? So one of the things that we don't get a lot of is feedback. If we post something about the episode, hey, this episode's coming out on Friday, and then you hear the episode on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're like, well, that he was wrong. He's always wrong. You know, reply to that initial tweet that said that episode was coming out that said, you know, something like, I listened to your episode. This is what I think. I mean, we'd love to have a little bit of that feedback. You can do that on uh, Twitter. Uh, Facebook, we're there. We don't have quite the presence on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, I try to be better about doing the things on Instagram, but we're at Pudding Guys. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Real Pudding Guys. Of course, we're kind of kicking into high gear for the a Patreon account where there'll be more, more to it, more access, more things that uh, Ken's been working real hard on. But if, if you can just give us a little talking point, I feel like sometimes we talk to ourselves and, and that's it. So we don't know how good or bad or otherwise we are in discussing points. If we could get a little pushback, that's great. If we get a little feedback, that's great too. Okay, on to a next, the next topic, topic, talking point, whatever you'd like to call it, and that is Microsoft purchasing Zenimax Media. Okay, so this is big for a lot of reasons. It's big for me personally because some of my favorite games belong under the umbrella of the. Zenimax Studios, right? Zenimax Media is technically what the the brand is called. So, um, 
just to give you a little insight, if I, I know we talk a lot about games, and you know Ken will talk a lot about table tabletop games, and we'll both talk about console or PC games. We've had episodes that we've discussed our favorite, you know, tie meeting games. So when we're talking about this purchase, this purchase affects any type of electronic gaming. So we're talking about console gaming. We're talking about PC gaming. We're talking about mobile gaming. So it really affects a lot of the gaming industry. Okay. So ZeniMax Media is um, is a company that has a lot of smaller software and production studios underneath them. So uh, id Software, id Software does games like uh, Doom and Quake and Rage. Um, Arcane Studios, which uh, is Dishonored and Prey. Uh, Machine Games, so they did Wolfenstein. Uh, Tango Gameworks. The Evil Within, and one of the big ones is Bethesda Softworks, which is Bethesda and also Bethesda Game Studios. So they do the Elder Scrolls uh, series and they do the Fallout series. Um, and then there's the Zenimax Online Studios, which is the Elder Scrolls Online. So they they bought. Microsoft bought this Zenimax Media for $7.5 billion with a B. Oh, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. I mean, let, let's face it. Some of the people, obviously, who own and run Microsoft in general are worth $100 billion. So in terms of the worth of the company is... billion. It's a large chunk to anybody, but to this company, they got money to spend, right? Anyway, the the reason that this is so big is it changes uh, the landscape to an extent. Now, you have to look at the gaming industry as a whole. The gaming industry, a lot of people think of an Xbox or a PlayStation as a gaming industry, Uh, but then you forget, okay, well, PC gaming is even bigger than than the console gaming. And then you look at mobile gaming and mobile gaming is even bigger than PC gaming. So like there's a lot of money in games, in gaming, in the whole industry. We're talking like a hundred billion dollar industry, a lot of money in games. Now, when you think about um, a game that you would play on your phone or your tablet, mobile gaming, that's a broad, like we always think about, oh, like a Call of Duty game or we think of a Fallout game. But, you know, Candy Crush is a game, right? So it, the, the, we've got to take some of this money and this information with a grain of salt in, in terms of what we're thinking about in the grand scheme of things. But at $100 billion, I mean, shoot, there's there's a lot of money to be had, to be gobbled up, to be chewed up. Okay, so why does Microsoft need this bigger piece or how does it fall into the bigger piece? Okay. So the console gaming industry is big, 20 million, 30 million, I want to say, but it's one of the smaller pieces of the overall gaming puzzle. Now, as a a Microsoft studio, right, they already have exclusive for things like the Halo games and for Gears of War, things like that. Uh, But Microsoft 
you do the Xbox, Microsoft, you also do Windows operating system. That's the larger, I mean, obviously there's the Mac operating system, but having a PC, if you're a PC gamer, you're most likely running a, a Windows platform for your games, right? So that industry in the PC gaming world is largely dominated by Microsoft. Okay, so here's where the other big thing comes into play. On mobile gaming, Microsoft just did a partnership with Samsung. So if you get, let's say, one of the newer Samsung phones, one of the Note 20s, you can actually do your Xbox or Microsoft streaming right from your phone. So you could hook a controller up to your phone and basically play your whole game library. So like your, your phone via streaming, right? So I know this is something Google has attempted to do. Um, via, you download an app and over the internet, you stream the game, you play the game. You don't download it to your phone. It's from a cloud server somewhere else that you stream this game. But Microsoft has allowed you to do on, on a Note 20, for example, to not own a console, but have the Microsoft Game Pass and have access to all the games that are on Microsoft Game Pass. And you could sit there and play them all right on your phone. And eventually that streaming, that game streaming service will be on smart TVs. I have a Samsung smart TV and I'm betting you sometime here in the near future, it's going to get an update and there'll be a Microsoft or an Xbox app for my TV and I could just stream the games right to the TV without ever having the need for a console, just the need for a strong internet source. So it's a crazy concept to think about that Microsoft is going to control a large segment or have influence on a large segment of the actual physical gaming industry. Now they have purchased one of the best studios that has one of the best lineup of games. And they haven't said whether these games are going to be exclusive to Xbox or not. But let's let's think about this. So remember I said that the console gaming industry, which is really, it's, it's Xbox, it's, um, the, it's Nintendo, and it's the PlayStation are mainly what the console gaming is. That, that's a big segment of the gaming industry, but small in terms of the whole piece of the pie. And if you think about that piece of the pie, then getting broken up into three smaller pieces of the pie, what does, what does Microsoft need from that one-third or two-thirds of that smaller piece of the pie, right? So why would these games, if there's going to be a new Fallout game, if there's going to be a new Elder, Scro Elder Scrolls game, why does Microsoft need to release them for PlayStation, right? Like, what's the need? They really don't. And PlayStation's already played hardball in the past, right? PlayStation has already played hardball with some of their exclusive games, and they've paid money. They've battled Microsoft to have timing rights on certain games as well, release rights on certain games. So the PlayStation's already played the game. Um, what Microsoft appears to have done is played a bigger game, right? By purchasing their whole studio. So when you're talking about this game pass, 
having exclusives to a new Fallout game or having exclusives for a, a, a new Doom game or whatever it may what whatever it may be from these awesome studios, you're if you want to play the game, you're basically forcing people to do your Game Pass subscription service to be able to play it or buy an Xbox or buy a PC. And if you if you if you really think about the hardcore people that are gamers or you watch people that are streaming their games and they stream all their games and they play their games on the PC and if they don't play their games on the PC they probably play them on a PlayStation but the people that have a PlayStation probably have a really good gaming PC as well. So the people that own the PlayStation and already own a really good PC, they're not gonna they're not gonna miss out on anything. It's really a small section of people that just have a PlayStation and won't do anything else that are not going to have immediate access to all of these awesome games that are going to come out. And like I said, they haven't said that they're going to be exclusive to simply the, the Microsoft family. But if you really think about the bigger picture. Um, er, they probably will be. Um, now, one of the things, I think part of the agreement revolved around some of the, some of them being still independent studios, meaning Microsoft's not going to tell them what to do in terms of how to develop the games, but it does give them a little bit more power in developing the games. So the the studios are still going to have their own labels and their own names and their own power to a certain extent. They're going to be under a different under a different window right now, under a different label. So uh, the umbrella of Microsoft has become pretty big to think about. Now, for me personally, I I gave up PCs a long time ago because to me they're they're annoying and. I don't want to fix them anymore and I don't want to deal with windows updates and I don't want to deal with stuff that, um, you know, like malware. I don't want to deal with viruses. I don't, I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. I'm lazy. Right. So I don't want to mess with any of that stuff. Now I understand in terms of buying power, in terms of overall raw power, if you want those things, it's just like if you buy, um, if you look at an Android device compared to an iPhone, right? You can spend less money, you can spend more money, you can have all the specs if you want to buy a Samsung phone, a octa-core processor, and 10 gigs of RAM, and blah, 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 and all that stuff, and, and that's cool and all, but in terms of me being lazy or boring, I'm okay with my iPhone, right? I know the phone itself is inferior in a lot of ways. I know it's inferior in... in power and capability and I get that and I'm okay with that um, I, I don't need any of this stuff it's same thing with a, a, a PC I know that I could if you spent $1,500 on a PC you could just put a wicked uh, uh, processor in it you could have a great um, video card in there you could have all the RAM that you could ever want in your life and I understand all that type of stuff but I don't care and I don't want to mess with it. So I've never real been big. In, I haven't big into, been big into PCs since I built my last one like 10 years ago. I just, it's not for me. 
but I've always had an Xbox. I've had an original Xbox. I've had a 360. I've had a, uh, a one, one S is what I've got. I never got the one X and my, you know, the gamer tag and my subscription to Xbox live has been in existence probably since they started doing it. So the things like I've been a quote gold member for <laughs> gold member. That's a great movie, by the way, like 15 years. So I'm fully invested in the in the Microsoft and the Xbox studios already. And to know that finally, when I'm like 70 years old and a, and a new Fallout game call, comes out or a new Elder Scrolls game actually comes out, I'm going to have the platform to be able to play that game for 17 years and find all the little hidden gems that are in there. Uh, my only hope is that since Microsoft Studios is going to have a little bit more power and money, that when they do release a Fallout game or an Elder Scrolls game, that it will work and it won't be buggy and it won't freeze up on you. And if you've played those games, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but the games themselves are my favorite. Those are my absolute favorite in terms of length of time that I can play them, the the in-depth like versions of where you can do and what you can do, the replayability of those things. And to top it all off, most of those games, I don't have to play with somebody else. So I can play at my own play on my own pace when I want to play um, for as long as I want to play. So it makes me excited to know that those things are still in development and they're going to come soon to the next gen consoles and they're going to be in the console that most likely I will have and I'll be able to play without having to buy uh, a PlayStation as well. And not that I'm anti-PlayStation. Um, I do also have a PlayStation 3 that I have in my lifetime purchased one game for and played that one game for a total of like five hours. Uh, so <laughs> effectively my... Uh, PlayStation 3 is a fancy uh, Blu-ray player, but I'm, it's an interesting prospect to, to think about the behind the scenes of how this purchase is going to work, the studios that are involved, the games that are going to be involved, what's going to happen. And this is really, this really sets the table for all of the, I think mobile gaming and console console free gaming like hardware free gaming which Google which Google tried to do they did a release for and it didn't fail but it never really took off Microsoft's going to take that and they're going to really expand upon its capabilities and you know the other thing too of course is since they've partnered with Samsung they have a big they have a big market share of things like TVs and phones that they can partner and do those things with. Um, so I'm pretty excited about what direction this is actually going to lead us into. So what are your thoughts on this purchase of uh, from Microsoft of ZeniMax Media? And are these games ones that... that that you play are these games that are going to come out in the future here are are they the ones that you have been excited about um or could you care less and did you not even know this happened uh yeah definitely let us know 
uh, give us a little feedback, a little talking to. We'd appreciate the the thoughts and the information. And we will be back next week with more discussions on uh, whatever we want to talk about. Unless you give us something to talk about. Then we'll talk about what you want us to talk about. But until then, thanks for listening. 